What up, what up, what up? Welcome to this week's episode of Pell's Pod, a New Orleans.network podcast. As always, I'm your host, Raphael Rattler, joined by my fellow middle brother, Garrett G. Money Rattler. What's popping with you, bro? Oh, nothing much, man. Just trying to find some some things to do in between these, these finals <laughs> games, man. You, you, you forget how much basketball surrounds your life um, until it's taken away, right? And, and then you're like, well... What am I supposed to do now? So, uh, but nothing much, man. It's, it's been crazy and a couple crazy days in the city, man. Had some, had some guys turn, uh, turn some of the streets into Need for Speed, and uh, it was it was crazy, man. Crazy police are <laughs> uh, very upset about that. But uh, but other than that, man, everything's all good over here. How's everything on your end? Everything's good on this end, man. Uh, same thing, man. This is that that stretch in the year where you gotta. You got to enjoy the last couple games of the finals because you about to get like a month of not very much basketball. And it sucks football. because it's our month. It's our yeah, month. It, it is sucks. our month. It is our month. But um, just like with anything, I, I guess before we get into anything, there's a lot of breaking news. Like Quinn Snyder steps down. He even get fired. Stepped down because he didn't see a path forward. And DeAndre Aiden might be out of there. And Darvin Ham gets announced. And the most important one, Ben Udrin might be out. Of the mm-hmm. Pelicans uh, coaching staff, so a lot, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things going on in the NBA right now, and we'll jump into those things. Before we do, uh, what you think about this final series, man? That was a, I mean, I feel like the Warriors should be up to old, but for some reason, I still feel like the Celtics are the better team. But what, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you you can't win a lot of games when three of your starters scored exactly two points um, <laughs> between uh, between Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. Uh, Robert Williams is really hurt out there. Uh, you yeah. know, he is he's trying, he but it's yeah, he, he might wobbling be up and down. Yeah, yeah, he wobbling up and down the floor. It's it's not it's not looking too good. But um, like I, I think the Celtics are the better team as well. Uh, I think that they have a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of positional flexibility, uh, both sides, a lot of two-way players on both sides of the floor. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to come down to, you know, who who of the others um, outside of Steph for Golden State and Tatum for, for Boston, whichever one of those, you know, select role players, pick whoever, whether it be Clay, Jordan <laughs> Poole, whether it be Jalen Brown, uh, you know, Al Horford or Derek White, obviously giving the, the Celtics a big boost off the bench, um, you know, whichever one of those can get more consistent, um, you know, you, you, you start, you, I think that'll be the, the tale of each single game, but um, like we'll be getting into a little later, uh, you know, you starting to see uh, some of the, the, the depth, right. The depth of teams uh, kind of coming into, into play, right. Steph has this fantastic game, but because he doesn't get any help from anybody in game one and Jason Tatum gets a whole bunch of help, even though he's playing terrible, um, they win the game and then flip flop the other side, right. Jason Tatum has this really incredible game, but because he doesn't get any help, they don't win. Right. And so you're starting to see um, a little bit of dichotomy, a little bit of, you know, uh, the separation of super teams and, you know, drafted dynasties. And, you know, we'll get into that later, but you, you, you starting to see it play out a little bit. Yeah. It should, it should be, like I said, I think it's going to be a battle all the way through. I can't see this getting less than six uh, games for sure. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the series plays out. But speaking of the finals, man, have you, have you noticed how much Jose has been around? Like, mm-hmm. just in general? Like, I saw one of the games that was like, man, Jason Tatum is trying to do Jose Alvarado's move. I'm like, on the finals? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're talking about a guy who wasn't even drafted. We're not talking about the draft picks the Pelicans had, but the guy who wasn't even drafted got picked up. Like, come on, man. Like, this dude is ever – he was in, in the TNT studio with uh, Shaq and Chuck and – 
and and everybody and then he was on a sham show and i'm like bro like jose is here right and it's crazy to think about depending on what month and probably depending on what conversation you're talking about a different pelican player outside of zion and bi like you're talking about herb joe's a second round pick you're talking about trey murphy who's leading um, all rookies at three point. And then you talk about Jose, who literally came out of nowhere, rose out of the ashes, right, to, to claim a spot on this team, right? So you see these guys, you see Willie Green everywhere. You see all these combinations of Pelicans players. Like, man, how different this was than when the season first started, man. Like, it's it's wild to think about. But um, as we kind of jump into a little bit about what you've seen from from Pelicans players around in the media. Make sure y'all follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us on uh, IG at Pelicans Podcast. Like the episode below. And most importantly, uh, subscribe to New Orleans Network. So another Pelicans player who is in the media, really in the media, CJ McCollum. Um, so obviously he had his broadcasting debut. How would you like that? They kind of they try to mirror the, the Peyton Manning um uh separate broadcast yeah the Manning the cast. yeah, yeah they try uh -huh. to remember that for basketball what are your thoughts on that 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 whole uh angle first of all Ho jose has done to the media what he did <laughs> what he did to chris paul right just like snuck up behind and like all of a sudden now he's here right and you know exactly who he is so it, it, it's crazy to see him man big shout out to, to jose for that um as far as cj go listen he's he's this is his first, you know, opportunity to do this. Yeah. Um, I think that the first broadcast had a had a he has a lot to go back to the tape and work on. And I think because part of it is because he's just a hoop head, right? He, right, right? There was a couple of times I was watching this broadcast where like he was just watching the game and like he, he looked <laughs> like any other NBA hoop fan watching a game, like talking to himself, talking right. out, uh, calling out plays, calling out. Of course, he he he's a professional. He's you know he he was able to elaborate on some of the things, and I, I think that's what makes CJ such an endearing person. Um, is because he he knows the game right and he knows how to communicate it um that's why he was voted uh, president of the of the players association because he's such a smart guy and can convey his thoughts and you see that journalism background kind of come out of him a, a lot of times but you know it, it's difficult uh to be you know to be locked into a basketball game because you're such a hoop head um and then to also be you know on air and stuff i saw you know mark uh mark I think what what what's his uh the 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 guy who was on there, I can't think I'm having a brain fart of the guy who was on there with him but he was call, he was calling the game uh mm -hmm. and trying to you know coming up with with, with comments and, and things like that and CJ was like uh yeah uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah but you know it, it's going to take some time for him to get to get good he he you know phenomenal today uh he did mm -hmm. his ESPN uh hit, hit the kind of the media circle with everybody last about Charles Barkley uh, always talking about how ESPN has has everybody working on every channel at every station and every show. Uh, CJ did it today, right? He was on First Take. He was on Get Up. Uh, he was on Max Kellerman's show uh, as well. He he did a phenomenal job. So you know, I, I, obviously the 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 cast, the, the you know, calling the game during the game, he's got some some work to do, which he, he'll get back to. This is his first time doing it, um, and, and, and so he, you know, he, he's gonna work those things out as he gets more comfortable in front of the camera. But you know, just to have a guy like that, uh, you know, representing the Pelicans, representing the city of New Orleans, um, obviously has has done wonders on the court and off the court during the season, but. During the postseason, right? You and 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 now in the offseason for the Pelicans, you're seeing him answer questions about the Pelicans, about Zion, about Brandon Ingram, calling Brandon Ingram out to answer his phone calls. Bi, if you listen to this, answer uh, <laughs> CJ's phone calls. But um, but yeah, man, it, it, it it's it's really good to see CJ kind of open up and show more of his personality. And so I I think it, you know he he's gonna do well uh, in in this role. Right. I think I think again I think he 
he's a bit of a natural, right? Like he can explain the game in a way that is unique for maybe some of the other people uh, that call games. Now, something that was kind of ran with um, that was said during that segment, he uh, had Magic Johnson on for, for a couple of minutes and Magic at the end, of course, every, every segment has to have something about Zion. And of so course. he's like, yeah. So he's like, so what's your plan for the big fella and getting them right and, and getting you guys uh, set up for next season. And he mentioned some things like, Hey, he's taking Zion under his wing and he's mentioned, you know, they're going to be working out in New York uh, together uh, back with CJ's camps. And then they'll be working uh, in Vegas at summer league, which CJ is going to be calling for ESPN. So really kind of taking him under his way to a big, big, big step um, is, is what you heard from Aaron Summers when saying that uh, Zion staying in New Orleans this summer. And you saw a video come out um, a little bit later uh, today where he's working with all the rooks and all the young players. He wants to train here, right, close to the team um, and, and close to uh, his trainers and things like that for the team. Like that's, that's a big step, right? They're saying, hey, I want to make sure that Everything you guys experienced last year with Nashville, meeting up in Phoenix and doing all this stuff, I want to be a part of that, right? Like I, I got a, I got injured, so I didn't get a chance to be a part of that or I didn't handle it right. But this summer, I want to be a part of that. And so, you know, him rehabbing that, you know, that's a that's a really big standpoint. But what stood out to me the most about it, and you and I kind of talked about this off the pod, and and you know, I I may get I may get I get stones cast to me for this, but I want to say that like. CJ's appearance and emergence in New Orleans is almost, if not like more important than Zion being healthy and actually playing on a court. And what I mean by that is not necessarily, you know, you could take one without the other. From an on-court perspective, obviously, right? Like you needed a point guard who could create for others. You needed a point guard who could get his own shot. You needed a point guard who was a veteran can control the game. But from his you know, calling up of of Zion and taking him mother's wing and, and making him feel like, hey, this is a place where you can grow and you know you're, you're really sh- not sheltered, but you're really protected by the the folks around you, and we're gonna help you get to where you get to, need to get, even though you might be in a bad spot right now because of energy injury, and then the, him to help elevate Bi like that does so much for your franchise, right? Like having a guy in the locker room is able to articulate to these people, um, like these young guys who are trying to figure out how they their place in the league and where that they can contribute and how, what, what coach is really trying to get to them when they, when they have different instructions, like having that is just so important to a championship team. And so like, it's a little bit off topic, but like, how do you feel about, you know, CJ's presence? Like what that really means from a long-term perspective? No, no, you, you make a good point, man. I, I think, you know, it, I, I mean, just look at, look at what, what we had, you know, what, what the Pelicans and, and the team had last season during the off season. Right. And then what, what you have now. So if, if, if Brandon Ingram isn't answering CJ's phone calls, right? And obviously there's a there's a TJ talks about it's jokingly, they're okay. tweeting back each other, Instagram poking fun at each other, whatever. But if 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 Brandon Ingram isn't answering CJ's call, who is you know publicly calling it and saying it on, on Twitter and Instagram and even on camera, um, imagine you you can imagine, you know, a guy, a quiet guy like him probably isn't calling Zion in the <laughs> in the you know in the offseason. And Zion with his quiet and reserved self. He's probably not reaching out to Brandon Ingram, right? They probably get together when the when the coaches get everything together, or you know, even they might work out or whatever. But but you don't. It's hard to imagine both of those guys like reaching out to get a, a hoop session going uh, in the offseason because they're reserved guys, right? They guys that like 
to be out. Well, you insert CJ, right? Insert CJ, who's 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 out publicly talking about, hey, I'm calling Zion, right? I'm I'm calling Zion. CJ had just gotten to the team, um, and he was at the All Star break, and he said, I'm going to. I haven't talked to CJ. Uh, I haven't talked to Zion, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it, right? And you started seeing a, a change immediately, in, immediately, immediately Zion, yeah. right? Moving on to to this offseason. same thing with with Brandon Ingram uh, and, and the guys, right? Though CJ is the 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 respected vet um, who can get these guys together in the offseason. And he knows what it takes, right? He's been in the league, uh, you know, a, a, a good amount of years. And he's been to, to to Western Conference Finals. He's been long playoff runs with Dame. He's been around. You know, if anybody, you, you know, you can – you know, kind of talk down about Dame anything, but you know his work ethic is 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 second to none, right? You always right. see him run, you know, chasing the grind, doing the grind, and right. And so he knows what that work ethic to be great, right? To be a top seventy five player of all time, uh, and to have team success, he knows what it takes, um, you know, and, and has seen what it takes. And so he's calling, you know, Brandon Brandon Ingram and Zion out and getting those guys uh, together and and having those guys know that look, this isn't gonna be like you know like J.J. Reddick would call it the quietest locker room mm-hmm. where, you know, everybody goes about their business and then come back when it's time to get into some some basketball activities made by the team and things. So, you know, it, it's it's a lot to see C.J. kind of, you know, get galvanize this team, um, you know, from from the youth, the youth, the young, young guys, like the rookies and, and, and you know, the young guys and these, you know, what we call, I guess, young veterans, right? These Brandon Ingram, Zions, people who have played games and, 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 and things like that. And so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely, you know CJ's you know importance to what it does you know behind the scenes and, and things like that everything has to to kind of gel into place for a team to take that leap right you right. you you see Stephen Curry and, and and Draymond hold people accountable and and you know and do things like that uh same thing with with the Celtics same thing with Giannis like these guys like you have you have to have guys um, who who can do that, right? Marcus Smart is that for for the Buck. I mean, for the Celtics. Um, and, and I'm you know Giannis and, and those guys in Milwaukee, and you know just down the line, right? Just guys that you have to be able to have, whether it be uncomfortable conversations or whether it be comfortable, just you know aggressive. Like you, we can't just sit on our laurels and right. and, and be good. So you know it, everything that that you said about you know CJ's importance as a pair compared to Zion's importance. Zion is going to do what he do, but CJ's ability to raise you know he is the tide that raises all boats right now and so you want you know it's important to have that guy right so i think he talked about a little bit today you know important parts about him gaining that respect because he he got traded mid-season they were Mm -hmm. you know they were already kind of hitting their stride with willie and and Mm bi and he got traded because they were hitting their stride it was ready they were they deemed themselves ready to trade for cj Right. And so CJ gets here. He's like, listen, man, you can't just come in the locker room and start yelling and screaming at people. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to earn that respect. And a part of that, he was like, look, I was open. I was honest. I was coachable. Things like that. I think the thing that I took the most away from CJ's little short conversation with Magic was that he was like, listen, I want to learn a little bit about how to be a point guard. Right. Like how to be a facilitator, because I think a part of David Griffin's pitch to CJ was, listen, when you come over here and you're a leader for this team, we also need you to be a point guard. Like, that's what we need you to do. We got two guys who can fill it up with the best of them. Now you got JV on the top of his scores in the league. Like, we need you to command the court, right? Like, we need you to be the, the generator, uh, uh, the general on the court. And for him, he's always been the scoring capacity. He's been right next to Dame. He's always been needed to give you 20, 25, 30, 35. But now it's like, 
hey, someone's got to be able to settle down, get us in a good set, get us in a good shot when other guys are just racing up and down the court, right? And so, you know, the fact that he's leaning into that, hey, reaching out to uh, NBA greats like Magic Johnson to get tips and pointers on how do I control, when do I shoot, when do I pass, how do I get everyone involved to make them feel like, hey, I'm a part of the offense tonight, not, hey, they're just going to get it to me when they get it to me. Like the fact that he's thinking the game that way, he's showing that, hey, I've got some growing to do as well, mm-hmm. which that 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 goes a long way when you want to be a leader to acknowledge that, hey, you don't got everything figured out. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I told you this off of off wax. I think that, you know, it, it, it there is a there is a certain advantage that you have when the leader of your team is the point guard right now. Obviously, he may not be the best player on your team, right? Um, you know, I, I think you you kind of run into a detriment uh, if the best player on your team is a guy who can fit into that point guard position, right? A, a smaller guy, shorter guy, like uh, unless you obviously you run into the outliers like Steph Curry and, and things like that. But you know, but when you're leader, right? The guy that everybody looks to, uh, the guy that everybody listens to, the guy that everybody uh, when they speak, you know, everything ar- around them kind of stops because you know this is the guy who you know who has been through some of the things and has been when that. Guy Guy is the point guard of your team and when I say point guard obviously you're going to have point Zion Brandon Ingram but you know you see CJ kind of morphing into wanting to be uh you know a, a point guard and, and be the guy to set up when, when the leader is that guy when the extension of the coach is the point guard um and the, and the leader is the point guard you have a lot of good things happen because everybody would you know if he can set everybody up and get everybody into into position um you know and also be able to get buckets and, and do things like that um, but he isn't the best player Right. You aren't you aren't relying on him to get 30 points uh, to get and defend the best player and things like that. Uh, When you run into a team like that, um, it's similar to Marcus Smart. Right. Marcus Smart. You would say that Marcus Smart is the leader of the Boston Celtics. Right. But, you know, obviously the emotional leader and things like that. The best player, obviously, is Jason Tatum. Um, But the most outspoken guy when when the Celtics were having their their issues, he came out and he said, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum need to pass the ball more and trust me Mm -hmm. to get into. He came out publicly and said that, you know, CJ obviously isn't going to doesn't go down that level. But he says, hey, listen, I pick up my phone call, you know, Zion, I'm going to get to the to the bottom of those things. And that kind of leadership at the point guard position, at the at the lead guard position um, can only, you know, will only make that make things easier for Brandon Ingram, for Zion, the rest of the team as well. Right. So uh, the whole world, uh, everyone in media, everyone who watches basketball is looking forward to what the Pelicans have next season. The next uh, NBA season starts officially. Um, league year starts July 1st. So that's not that far away. Um, right. You know, not that far away at all. A couple of weeks. Uh, you got some league coming uh, July 7th. So we got some basketball coming for, mm-hmm. for for some piece of it. We'll be mm-hmm. we'll be in Vegas at Summer League with the rest of the uh, the Rattler brothers. But uh, <laughs> We might have to figure something out and meet up with some uh, some, some Pels uh, aficionados uh, mm-hmm. and famous folks like Rel and them like that. So, <laughs> um, that being said, we got to drop a little draft nugget, right? So Dyson Daniels is in working out with the Pelicans. How you feel about that? Listen, like I said, I, I, Dyson is a is a good prospect, right? He obviously is going to be, you know, going to be a tremendous defender uh, and things like that. You know, the the Pelicans obviously have a have a, a a plan for him, or if they bringing him in, obviously they have done their due diligence and is doing a little bit more. So you know, I I, I expect it. I expect them to bring in a you know a lot of guys at, at eight. You never know who's going to be there, so you bring everybody in that you can, uh, you know that that realistically fits into that 
that draft range and you know you you do what you can so again Dyson Daniels is a, is a fine prospect uh he you know he he's obviously going to be uh, a ball mover a guy who's going to be able to to pass and, and do well and be good defensively um you know for me I, I I'm still on on obviously my personal opinion is the Benedict Matherin mm-hmm. uh, uh train uh you know I, I as well as I can see Johnny Davis why he the Pelicans would like uh to draft him as well but um that, like I said I'm, st- I'm still a Benedict M- uh, Matherin guy but again Dyson Daniels another good guy he bro these these players make me feel old as heck, bro. <laughs> he is a he is a kid. He looks like like I saw the picture. Uh, somebody, uh, one of the Pels uh, p- fans saw him out in the street and took a picture with him. And I'm like, man, he looks like Gerard. He looks like my brother. Like, he, <laughs> he, look, he looks younger than our little brother. Um, and so it's like, man, like these these guys are young, but he he obviously has a lot of you know to grow into and and and, and things like that. So I, I, I'm you know props to the Pelicans for doing the, the due diligence, bringing these guys in vetting them, getting as much information as possible. Uh, but I'm still on the Benedict Matherin train. I, I just, uh, that's, that's still, that's still my, my pick at, at eight. Right. Uh, same here, but the Kings might be listening to offers at four. So, nah, <laughs> uh, nah, so if I'm the Pelicans, I'm on the phone. Uh, I'm yeah. figuring out what's it going to cost. Uh, because again, we talked about it. If you're going to trade up, you trade up to get Jay Divey, and that's what you'd be trading up at four. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I think draft, draft night, what, two two weeks and two days away? So mm-hmm. uh, we got a little bit, but it'll be interesting. So for the main topic of today's show, uh, as we kind of transition away from the draft, is we start talking about, again, it's crazy to think where the beginning of the season was, where it was like, trade the Pelicans to Vegas or Seattle or something like that to now where you cannot find a media outlet. That's not like the Pelicans are going to be great next season. Like the Pelicans are. So, so now what you've done is you've created a lot of hype. There's been a lot of expectations placed on you for a team that had 36 minutes, right? Like there's, there's a lot, a lot of pressure there, right? Made the, made the, made the playoffs through the play in tournament. And now the, whatever now right. their expectations are where they are right and so now again that's why i think cj plays such a big factor here because now he can he can look at that and see that listen everybody's going to be looking at you in a different light so we need to work as a team to make sure that we're getting where we need to get so that we're living up to that right you can't just show up and play a game on paper like you gotta yeah, have a the- rhythm the 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 you know the 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 brand that of basketball that the Pelicans played in the playoffs, um, and, and having CJ and having a transcendent player like Zion and having a superstar and having all of these gems and stuff. It, the, the downside of it is that everybody can see right. You you, <laughs> right. you, you hear Jose talking, um, and we you know the, the Pelicans fans love it. The, the 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 city loves it, but you start to put a little bit of of, of target on your back, right? Which right. is something that these guys have to be ready for isn't it? it's something new that they'll they'll be you know be experiencing right so what i want to talk about with you is what would you say are some of the most critical factors in like the starting lineup achieving mm-hmm. the success that they need because again i think it's hard to say hey the pelicans are going to win the title next year right away straight up based off the season before you got to see it all come together you got to see how it plays out things like that but if you're just looking at it from, you know, we can't say health. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. a cop out. If right. you're looking at it from that standpoint, what are some of those factors you think are important in the Pelicans uh, getting where they need to be? 
Well, I think, you know, a couple of things and because and I, I want to hear yours as well. I'm, I'm going to give you two that I'm I'm very I'm going to be very interested in. One of them is going to be the the, the continued development uh, jump shot of, of Herb and, and Brandon Ingram. Right. From from three at, at least. Right. And so that's that's my first point, because what what I think that Herb, you know, we saw a lot in, in, the, in the playoffs. Right. We saw uh, against Phoenix. We saw Chris Paul kind of like camp out on Herb, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, Herb has shown, obviously, the development that Herb Jones had this season should be, you know, cannot be stated enough, right? It right. cannot be undersold because, you know, to go from where he was, if you watched Herb Jones in college, and, you know, we did, we looked at some of his uh, some of his tape and, and things like that, and where he was in game six of the of the, the Sun series, it's two different types of players, right? right. Two different types of guys. Um, and so... I think, but but for him to go further, I think you know you want to be able to attack when when got right. That that's kind of, and I hate keep going back to the Celtics, but they're just in the they're in the seat the, the the news right now, right? They're they're playing games right now, yeah. and so when you look at that Celtics that that starting five, um, what what happens is that you know you you know and obviously a bad night with Marcus Smart scoring two points last <laughs> night, right. but other nights, um, it's hard to kind of like hide people on, on on people in in that Celtics lineup, especially guards, right? Uh, because they're so big and physical and things like that. And they don't run a traditional point guard, right? Because Marcus Smart is not that. When you look at what the Pelicans starting five will be, um, they won't have a traditional point guard. You know, obviously CJ can transition into that, but the first couple, the first years of his career, he has not played point guard. Damian Lillard was the point guard. And so when you run a non-traditional point guard lineup, you, you tend to have bigger players, right? You tend to have uh, – you want to make sure you take uh, care of the, of the length and stuff. And so when you have her about there at, at the four um, and, and you have, you know, uh, 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 Monty Williams hiding Chris Paul on him, that is a situation where you want to be able to to ad- take advantage of that. And one of the ways to do it is hitting the three. But what I, what the, the inside of that and to get a little bit deeper into that, what I really would like to see Herb develop is a solid pump fake, one dribble – decision make right we talk about the point uh you know pop uh, yeah right pop uh George, um i'm sorry greg popovich uh has that 0.5 it has that that drilled uh, kind of drilled into his players you have 0.5 seconds to make a decision right either shoot it or pass it right shoot it or pass it or, or drive for for a layup and so if herb can get into a a, a groove where you know he's hitting you know 30 35 35 36 37% of his threes but he's also Pump faking at the at the three, one dribble and dropping it off, right? Or or dropping it off to JV or Zion or whoever's there, or at least making a play. I'm talking one dribble off the three point line, off the wings, because that's where he usually uh, is comfortable making his shots. I think that is a that is a uh, a, a switch in his game uh, that would that would open up a lot because if he gets comfortable making those roll, and we talked about uh, all last season with Jackson Hayes getting smarter in that, in that short roll uh, game mm-hmm. and how it how it opened up for him when he started being really good at that, right? Setting a pick, rolling, getting it, not even dribbling, right? You take one step, you're tall, you take one step, you're at the rim, either you're making a play or you're passing it off, right? And we saw him kind of get good at that. Well, Herb's version of that will be that pump fake, one dribble, either pass out to the three, pass out to the cutter, pass out to the dunk spot, or you take it yourself, right? And what that will do, it'll it'll, not only it'll freeze the, 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 the closeout defender, but what it'll do is it'll make it'll rotate, right? You have to have rotate. Once you start it, it from this projected Pelican starting five, you start getting a rotate. You start getting a, a rote like a fluster on defense, uh, a scramble drill on defense. Good luck, you know, locate <laughs> right. Brandon Ingram 
and CJ and JV and Zion. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck right. doing that. Um, so I think that 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 uh, increase in three from Herb um, and his percentage from Herb, but also that that little added to his game, pump fake, one dribble at the rim um, or making a play. And then obviously Brandon Ingram's three point shooting um, with, 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 with Zion returning. Uh, he's going to have a lot of catch and shoot opportunities, you like to think. Right. Especially when they're on the court together, because Zion is going to he's going you just have to double him like we've. There's not or triple him like we. There's not a lot of highlights of Zion going one on one. There's just right. there's just not right. You can't find right. a lot of highlights, um, which is probably smart. And so Brandon Ingram, um, for all of the defensive attention that he got this past season, it could it. This is the time for where that that experience and back to what CJ was talking about about playoff experience and and how it can come in multitude of ways. What I tweeted about earlier, but all that defensive attention that he received last season prior to, to especially prior to CJ getting here, right when it. Was was just right. Brandon Ingram and Boxer JV one. kind of yeah. fighting for their life. And right. then everybody just kind of gave up on trying to guard JV double team and just went straight to Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Um, that That is going to pay off in dividends, right? Because he won't he, – he, he, you just won't be able to do that, right? There's only five people on the floor. <laughs> and so, you know, if you got three on Zion, then, you know, good luck. Um, but – so, so he's going to have a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. And so getting him uh, comfortable behind the three point line, uh, you know, it's not a lot of things offensively that Brandon Ingram could get better at, you know, maybe his handle and, and, and passing, but that three ball is something that if he can get another gear uh, into that and make another leap, you know, Brandon Ingram has known every single year to get better at something. You said mm -hmm. it at the beginning of the season, you said it all season long, that that is what his career has been, uh, you know, reflective of getting better at something every single year. And so if, if he wants to, you know, maintain on that track, uh, the next thing for him to get to get good at and, and to unlock this team is to get that that three point percentage up. So the three point shooting of, of her um, and, and B.I. And I think the last thing I, I want to is uh, to, to talk about is it's got to be J.V. and his. Um, you know, an ability to just—it's—it's it's kind of like Luca, right? The way mm -hmm. that Jay—the way that Jason Kidd explained to Luca is that you have to participate, right? Mm -hmm. You have to give effort. I, understanding that his feet are slow and understanding <laughs> that his feet are are, are what they are, right? There's got to be some kind of effort. There got to be some kind of commitment um, to getting either in better shape or to get, you know, to get better at rotations and or just to get better at at participating in defense because he's going to be surrounded by a lot of athletes between Zion mm -hmm. and Brandon Ingram and, and Herb and Jose and uh, Trey and whoever pick eight is. Like, there's going to be a lot of athletes around him. Right. Um, and, and so he's going to be the guy that a lot of Jackson and Larry Nance as well. Um, but he's going to be the guy that a lot of that, that offenses are going to try to talk target and pick on um in the pick and roll we've seen it time and time again right. and so for the pelicans to make another leap um or, or at least to be you know better defensively for him because his offensive ability we you, you, the pelicans need him to be on the floor but it's right. difficult if every time you give enough points to keep you know to keep the the, the jv on the floor and so to, to to come you know to make his points be more you want him to his points to matter more, right? You want him to be able mm -hmm. to get to be on the floor and play more. He has to get better defensively, um, committing to 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 getting better, moving his feet, um, either or, or you know, Nikola Jokic wasn't uh he was a terrible defender um his first couple of years in the league. And he's gotten to a point where he, you know, has competed, right? He's still not 
obviously he's not the guy, uh, the Kimbe Mutombo or nothing. Right? He's not <laughs> right. Rudy Gobert or anything. Right. But he competes, right? He finds right. ways to be a good uh, a good defender at the rim and things like that. And so I, I want to see JV kind of commit to that. Now, whatever that is, obviously I don't, I, you know, I don't have the answers. The, 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 the trainers will get with him and and they'll work on that because I'm sure that's what's on film for him. But his offensive game is, is going to be so much so important. His offensive rebounds, him and Zion together, going to be a terror mm-hmm. dealing with that. But you want him to be able to stay on the floor and the, and the best way to do that is to, to at least participate and compete on a defensive end yeah i think there's two two facets to that one at this point in his career i'm not sure how much better the defense he's gonna get so that mm-hmm. that's one part of it two what he did do was shot a, a career high in threes and career mm-hmm. high percentage of threes so if you can kind of Turn into Brooke Lopez South, but even Brooke Lopez is it competes defensively. That's right, that's right. So, like, so again, I, I agree with you, he needs to get better defensively, or he won't just don't know how, right? Yeah. Score. I'm just not, I'm not sure if it's there. So, if you can't get way better defensively, get way better offensively. I, I hear that, <laughs> and I agree, and I, I, I agree with you on the Brandon Ingram from. I think he dropped in, uh, you know, his three percentage had had risen over the years. This year it dropped a little bit to 33%. But I think it was because of the load and the attention yeah, that he got, right? Like, absolutely. You know, that that's it's tough to get off your open three. Like how many catch and shoot Brandon Ingram threes were there? Not a whole lot, right? Because somebody nah, nah, else, nah. you know, had especially before CJ, right? And so I think having Zion on the court will help that a lot, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, I agree with you there. As far as like what I'm looking at, we alluded to it earlier. I think CJ's ability to transition to a point guard, he did have his career high in assists. Now, granted, he only played a certain number of games with the Pelicans, but he averaged 5.8 assists, which is way more than his entire career. I want to see that continue to go up. Like I want there were times, there were opportunities where I thought CJ shot the ball when he could have dumped it off to uh, Jackson or thrown a fl- uh, thrown an alley to Jackson or just knowing his players a little bit. I think working through the summer, getting to know how people play, what people's strengths are, and knowing a little bit of, hey, this is my time to get going. This is other my time to facilitate. I think him honing in on that and honing in on his craft there is very important. So um, I think that him adapting and being a true point guard will really be what takes this team to the next level. Um, two of the other things, Zion's defensive ability, very similar to JV. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference is, I think Zion has a ridiculous amount of room to grow defense. People don't know that Zion made all ACC first team defense in college. Like, like, like there are times like I even watched the his rookie year, his second year where like Zion would be fine in one on one situation. It was team defense. Mm -hmm. It was rotation, which the whole team struggled in rotation. But it was backcourt. It was all. It was backdoor cuts. It was all that stuff that it was so, some, similar to what Trey Murphy was going through in that Spurs game. Just right, like, right, right, right. A lot of it. <laughs> right, a lot of like the one-on-one defense. He wasn't that bad, and so yeah. if he and he said it, you know, going into last season before last season didn't happen for him, he was <laughs> like, "Look, my goal is to be a defensive MVP." Like that was what he was setting out to do. He wanted to be just as good offensively as he was defense. He talks about who his favorite players are. They're all old school players. Like it's crazy. People don't really mention LeBron, even though they're like 10, 12 years younger than LeBron. They're like, he was like Jordan. He's like magic. He was like, they did on both sides. Um, he was like, that's, that's where I want to be. And I think he could get there. Like, I think he could be really good defensively, but he's gotta, he's gotta put his mind to it. Right. You saw BI take a look, uh, a leap defensively this year. I think Willie green and CJ, you know, again, 
Look at what you see in the finals. We keep going back to the finals. You see two great offensive teams, but you also see the number one and the number two defense in the league, mm -hmm. right? Defense is going to matter on this way out, right? Like, so getting everyone bought in from that, you already got a whole second line for the guys who can play defense, but getting the offensive units uh, playing defense in, in, in a scrappy way, using their athleticism on both sides, I think that's going to pay off. Uh, for major stakes as well. So, like, when you're devoting all your attention to one player on the Pelicans, you just talked about it, you can't double everybody, that lead that alleviates the burden of, hey, I got to carry everybody offensively so I can't do it on defensive. If you share it around offensively, you should be able to all compete at a high level defensively. And so that's what you see for the Celtics. That's what you see for the Warriors. You see players like Steph get better defensively because he's able to share uh, the load in terms of what he has to do on, on offense. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to talk about, and I think this, again, this alludes back to CJ being here. You need B.I. to be B.I. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is if you've watched the Pelicans in the last four, four years, uh, three years, there are times where like Brandon Ingram would be Brandon Ingram. You'd be like, wow, this is a elite basketball player and then he'd be on the court with zion sometimes and he would kind of disappear like you would go possessions without bi touching the ball and you'd be like why is this happening like there shouldn't be any possessions with bi or zion not touching the ball i think by getting zion back next year everyone kind of has a little bit and you've seen questions people ask with green questions is like how are you going to make sure that bi still in killer mode when you go add another alpha and zion back to the court I'm not sure if I have that same reservation anymore because of CJ McCullough. When CJ got here, it was the same thing for a couple games. Like CJ was getting off. You saw B.I. defer, defer. And then CJ has alluded to this. He went to B.I. I was like, look, the reason why I wanted to play here is because of you. Like mm -hmm. I, I can get buckets. I can do my thing. But you have to be you for this team to get where it needs to get. You have to be B.I. at all times and let everybody else fill in. And so now, and I think what's so big about this offseason is them working off each other, playing off each other, Willie Green putting them in situations to succeed, um, and, and, and both off ball and off and on ball, and playing one another. It's not like your turn, my turn type thing, but like an offense that has all of their skill sets kind of incorporated to the point where like B.I. is aggressive. If B.I.'s got it going, he makes six, eight, ten in a row, the next play should go to bi it shouldn't go to eric bledsoe in the corner like it shouldn't go <laughs> like that shouldn't happen right and so when you've got a cj on the court and zion you know garrett temple he was on the jordan collada show he kind of alluded to this he was like listen the pelicans aren't worried about you know the they're not being enough shots to go around because zion you don't necessarily have to run plays for him like he's going to get his regardless of what's going on. And he's a very, very, very smart player. Like that, everyone looks at Zion and sees his extreme athleticism. But everyone, if you talk about who's coached and played with him, talks about how smart he is and how he sees the game and how he makes the, the right decision more times than not. Well, if you've got a bunch of high, high percentage guys, high efficiency guys, and B.I. is B.I. and Zion is Zion and C.J. is C.J. and C.J. is able, able to get her busy shots and get J.V. easy shots. That's what takes the Pelicans to the next level. That's that's what that's what's so important about this summer. Making sure that you take the B.I. from this season and you get him better next mm. season. Not, hey, let's you kind of kind of take a step back in Zion's shadow 
but hey, elevate everyone to bring the best out of everyone. So yeah. I think that's just going to be such a huge part for the development of this team. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, the the first of all, the CJ element is going to be such a huge thing. I mean, if you if you think about you know JJ Redick and Zion, right, and that that dribble handoff that they had kind of working for them. Um, you know, JJ Redick, you know, for as good of a shooter he was, he was a shooter, right? And so mm-hmm. when you play that dribble handoff, as good as it was, you kind of knew. You know, like JJ is probably going to either go up for a shot or he's going to jump into yeah. right? Well, if you run it with that with, with CJ, CJ has a, you know, mid range game. He has a three ball um, and he can dribble off the, you know, take it off the dribble. And so you have basically a triple threat option between a dribble handoff with Zion and, and CJ, which God, good luck. Like, <laughs> Godspeed trying to defend that. Because if you double CJ, I mean, you shouldn't. So, I mean, Zion <laughs> is there. So, right. um, so, so, you know, like I said, it's, it's just, it's going to be a lot, but, but absolutely spot on about Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram's uh, ascension should, should not only, you know, make, make the Pelicans feel better about the team that they have, but it should instill a confidence in the, into Brandon Ingram that you are one of the best 15 to 20 players in the league, right? right. Like you are that good. Um, you know, when you're on and when you're locked in and, and, and focused, um, you are that guy. And like you said, CJ, Make sure that Brandon Ingram knows that, right? He makes sure that that those guys know it, and that's that's the good thing about having the guys that you have around Brandon Ingram, right? You have mm-hmm. like CJ, but you have guys. We're gonna get into the second line a little later, but like 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 Jose, right? Like Trey Murphy, who just speak nothing but you know power and and, and into Brandon Ingram, uh, because Brandon Ingram does have a have a tendency to kind of like defer and shy away when when a new acquisition comes aboard, and and obviously Zion is not a, a new acquisition, but this team together is brand spanking new right and zion mm-hmm. is going to he is going to dominate the shot charts um mm-hmm. we saw with stan van gundy how he would get 13 14 15 shots um and, and still have 25 30 point uh games well i don't think he's going to be shooting 13 to 15 shots again <laughs> this going forward uh mm-hmm. into this season i think 20 you know 20 20 on is probably a norm for zion but with that being said brandon ingram has to be Brandon Ingram, right? He right. has to be, you know, that guy that we saw this entire season and, and right. know that CJ and Zion, they're gonna do there. They're gonna they're gonna do what they do and get what they get. Um, but if but if the Pelicans wanna be, you know, where everybody speaks that they are, that Brandon Ingram has to be that 25, you know, 23 to 25 point per game score on 45%, 48% shooting, uh, close to 50% shoot. Like he has to be that guy um in order for this team to to, to turn into what everybody expects them to. Right. Absolutely. So I think a good sign and kind of seeing all this is you see all these workout videos already. Like like mm-hmm. the season didn't end that long ago, but you see mm-hmm. it already. You see Trey Murphy working off the dribble. See CJ working with uh, 2K's finest, uh, Chris Brinkley. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, you see Jose at Georgia Tech. You got all the rookies back. Them. You see Zion. Uh, my dog, J.D. Note. That would be a good second round pick for the Pelicans. My guy from Arkansas. I feel the like Moo Pigs. Huh? I, I, I pig feel like he'd be, I see you. He'd, he'd be a little sleeper. We could uh, stand on the I, I wish I, I wish I could could suggest some raging Cajun players, but I'm I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the uh, ACC cook. <laughs> not this year, not uh, this year. Uh, but you you see all these guys working, right? Like Willie Green talked about, it. he was like, "Listen, the work that you put in this summer is gonna determine how good you are next year." So the fact that they're taking it seriously, they're already at it. The summer league is not for another month and a half. They got all this work going on. Like those those are positive signs. And so you alluded to it. 
the starting lineup is very important, but what you've seen in these finals is you got to have depth. You got to have that second unit that's able to bring you energy when the starters don't have it or when the shot's not off or somebody's in foul trouble. So my question to you is, what are some of those factors that you're looking from the second line to see growth in their games moving into this new year? First things first is is, is Jose, right? Is mm-hmm. is Jose? I am super excited personally uh, to see Jose get an off season uh, with Willie Green, with Zion, with Brandon Ingram, um, because you know, you know, and, and rightfully so, people are clamoring for you know a point guard and and obviously things like that. We talk about CJ's development, but you know, like I said in a previous pod, a lot of people don't realize that Jose's his his game that we saw. Um, and and uh, that that made the 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 whole league fall in love with him and garner all of these fans and get him on the sham show uh, <laughs> and, and things like that. Um, he did all of that picking up the the, the team basically midway through the season, or, or almost midway through the season. And so you know he he's another guy. This is an undrafted rookie who did all of this without any training camp, without any, you know, stability uh, underneath him uh, going into the season, right, and learning things. He was learning on the fly. He was learning players and learning tendencies and 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 trying to do all that while also contributing to a play-in, then play-off team, right? And right. so now he gets an entire offseason to kind of work in Willie Green's system to know all of, you know, all of his players uh, during the offseason and, and learn those things. And I think that he has another level or two to reach. And I think that if he can get there offensively, um, just e- even if the, the the scoring doesn't go up, um, just be able to hit the, the consistent open three and mm-hmm. to be a, 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 a stabilizing force and and get those entry passes into Zion and, and, and JV uh, and, and things like that. I think that his development uh, is going to be fantastic for the team. Um, I think that he's going to be uh, one of the guys that's going to surprise a lot of people, even though he had a really good season last season. I, I I think that's a testament to what some work and some all season and some like stability and confidence, um, knowing that you are the backup point guard now. Like this, mm-hmm. that is your role, um, and so now you can kind of delve completely into it and commit yourself. And you see him already at Georgia Tech kind of working on his game and, and getting better. Um, another thing that I think, of, you know, on the second line uh, that is that, uh, you know, j- uh, obviously Jackson's development. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to see a little bit from from Larry Nance. Right. I, okay. I think another another guy who didn't have a lot, didn't have an offseason with the team, came in and didn't play until the end of the season. Yeah, he played less uh, than 20 games. Right. So, yeah. like, he, he – and, and so – you see all the things that he he brought, right? You saw mm-hmm. the defensive IQ, right? The ability uh, that the that ability to kind of get up there and contest shots um, as a backup because Jackson was starting and, and things like that. And so um, you saw Larry Nance kind of contribute in ways that we didn't really have outside of Jackson. Um, but like even as a as a young vet, right, and being more confident and comfortable in a in an NBA setting. And so him, another another person with another off season. Um, kind of getting into where he fits in. Uh, like he said, he has, he's been bounced around a lot. Um, hopefully they can get something done with, with Larry Nance and, and keep mm-hmm. him around. Um, but I think that uh, he and, and Jose kind of being bookends of a bench that, you know, didn't, didn't really have a lot of time to gel, right? Trey Murphy was mm-hmm. in the G League. Um, I mean, Garrett, you know, G- for three-fourths of the season, everybody talked about how bad the bench was. Right, Until- right, right. Like- yeah, exactly. Right. And so like you have all of these different, all of these different players that, you know, 
Trey Murphy was in it, like I said, was in G Lee Jackson was starting and then on back on the bench. Uh, Nance didn't get here till late. Jose didn't get here till almost midway to the season. So I just think continuity and going into the season knowing like, hey, these four or five people, and then you'll see what this draft pick comes in. Like this is your bench, right? If everything goes right, this is the second line. Everybody kind of fit and find their role, fit into the position that is needed. Um, and I just think that Jose and, and Larry Nance being the bookends of the of that bench um, will, will be will work wonders. And and I just think that having those guys because again, part of the bench mob is going to be two of the starters in the in the starting lineup, right? Because the, I, I assume Willie Green is going to attempt to keep two of the four. Uh, what I call um, what I call uh, uh, the uh, JV and the, and the alphabet boys, right? <laughs> C J B I Z J V, all the alphabet boys and Herb. Two of the of the four of those four alphabet boys are gonna be uh in the in, on the floor at all times. And yeah. so, you know, there are gonna be times where those guys can carry the load offensively and things like mm-hmm. that. It's just everything around them. You have to those guys who are in those positions and in those roles, those guys have to accept and excel in those roles. And I think uh Jose and Larry Nance are gonna be two of the keys uh of that bench mob. Yeah. Something you mentioned. Um, in terms of knowing your role, I think that's so important. I think I, I'm pretty sure it was CJ that came out and was like, "Listen, everyone on this team knows their role and embraces it. Like this mm-hmm. is this is what I do. Jose, Najee, you're energy players. Like you're coming mm-hmm. in to change the momentum of the game. Like Larry Nance coming in to play defense and get rebounds. Um, Jackson mentioned he was like, "Listen, you don't you can't state how much it meant to me for Willie Green to sit me down and tell me this is what I want from you." This is a guy who didn't have a training camp, didn't have uh, uh, playing time early on, didn't hasn't played a lot of basketball. So, so have a guy that sits down and be like, listen, these are the things you do well. Do these three things well, and that's it, and you've done a great job. Having a season of that, right, like having an idea of this is who I can be as a player and not so much figuring out along the way, I think that go, that works wonders for a team like this, right? You get another season to say, okay, to your point, this is the role I'm with. You saw Nal talk about that at the beginning of this season. He was like, I don't know my role. I'm struggling mentally because do I do this? Am I this tonight? Or am I this tonight? What am I? So everyone going into the season knowing this is what I need you to be and working on those skill set over the summer, I think that takes the team to another level. Because it's to your point, as you see, again, we allude back to the finals. When the ball goes around and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson on the court, the ball finds back to them, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the the supporting cast, you know, if their shot's not there, they're getting it right back to the stars, right? That's how the Pelicans need to play. That's how you see playoff championship teams work. Get it back to your stars. Let them make a play and everybody else kind of get in when you fit in, right? Mm-hmm. It just so happens that the Pelicans might have multiple guys who can get you a bucket at any particular time. And so to your point, knowing that two of the four are probably going to be on the court at all times, everyone knowing these are the spots that I need to be in. These are my go-to sh- shots. These are my go-to moves, blah, blah, blah. And working off of that, I think that takes that takes the team to another level. Um, you mentioned it. I'll be, Obviously, Jose was phenomenal defensively. Yes, I could shoot, but he shot 29%. <laughs> so just improving in that aspect will take, take his game to a lot. Because he's got a lot in his bag already. Like, he was mm-hmm. he was hitting it with floaters. He was attacking the paint. He was going shot guy. for shot with Chris yeah. Paul. Yeah. Like, for, for a small guy to know the, his spots on the court already as a rookie, like, that tells me that that guy puts in work. And so if he's focused on the three this summer, I expect him to take a, 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 a massive leap there. My other question, 
or what, what I'm focused on from the second line, Trey putting the ball on the ground. Like if mm-hmm. if Trey can similar to Herb, everything you said but Herb retweet, right? Because mm-hmm. if Trey can be anything other than just a catch and shoot player, that just takes him to a different level. You saw the development throughout the season, how he got more comfortable putting the ball on the ground and attacking the rim. Well, now if he can, you saw him working on in his workout videos, take the ball off the dribble, hit a hit a uh, hit a pull up. Take the ball to the basket, make the right play. If he can add that next game, he can be your sixth man on more nights than not. Because that guy can he's gonna find the ball or he's gonna find the rim with Zion and BI on the court together, right? He's a knockdown shooter, let all rookies in three-point percentage. That guy can fill it up, right? And so getting in the rhythm and knowing how to get to the line and stuff like that, that's the next, that's the next step for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect him to work on that and be better in that area. The last part of the second line. You gotta find somebody else to take a lead from three. Whether mm-hmm. Devontae is on the roster or not, he shot 34%. Jackson shot 35%. You know who led the ditch? Garrett Temple. Or Gary, uh <laughs> Gary Clark. Excuse me. 37%. <laughs> Najee 21%. So, like a lot of guys who didn't shoot very well from three. Who's gonna be the next? Will it be that number eight draft pick or whatever draft pick that comes from this? Will it be someone on the team taking a leap defense? Like, you're going to have to shoot wide open threes next season on this team. So everyone should be focusing on that particular area. Like, it's it's something that because the Pelicans are such a high-efficiency team scoring at the rim and in the paint that you're like, oh, you may not need it. But you still, you as you can see in the playoff, if you see in the finals, you're still going to need an element of three-point shooting somewhere mixed in there. I mean, what are your thoughts on how the Pelicans address that situation? Yeah, like you said, I think most of it will will be, uh, you know, internally, right? It'll be internally. Obviously, you know, we talk about the, you know, Devontae Graham, and if he is still on the roster, then I, like you say, he has to shoot better. He just plain has to shoot better. Um, if he isn't, if they decide to move, um, then maybe you you address it there. But honestly, like you said, it's gonna just be internally, right? You have a lot of guys on the team who have shown you know, flashes, right. Who, who have mm-hmm. shown that they can hit shots that it's not, it's not a situation where like these, like, like, you know, not no knock on these guys, but like a Draymond, like we mm-hmm. saw him shoot 12 th- uh, shots um, and he was bricking them right to a point where like, <laughs> you probably should that, stop shooting. Mm, um, uh, you're so, being nice. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> or it's not like Ben Simmons where you're just not shooting, yeah. right? Like Herb is, is shooting, Trey is shooting, Jose, these guys are willing to shoot. So it's just about getting better in that spot, right? Getting better mm-hmm. internally. Um, if, if each of one of those guys can go up two or three percentage points, I mean, that that just blow, you know, that 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 takes the office to another level. And mm-hmm. so what I think, you know, it, it, it's going to be a lot of internal internally. Herb obviously has shown that he can make a jump. Uh, Trey right. came into the league as a shooter, but he still has room to to, to improve and, and get better at at that as well. Uh, Jose the same way, right? A guy who has shown that he'll shoot even in big games, right? He was yeah. shooting threes and in, in an elimination game in the playoffs. So obviously he doesn't. He's not uh, scared or, or fearful of the other shots. So that shows me that there's a there's there's room there to grow for him as well. Um, you know, and he's just maybe working on the farm or, or, or things like that. But it's gonna be a lot. Of of internal growth man like these 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 guys are young and, and we haven't even spoken about Kyra right and right. what Kyra can come in and right. bring um maybe he you know he he's the guy that comes in and takes the leap uh from from three point um you know because a guy who 
hasn't been able to use his his legs and and, and his speed, you know, things the God given mm-hmm. things that he had, I would assume that he's working on his shot, right? He, he's shot, getting right? getting shots up and, and things like that. And so maybe he comes in and, and and gives you that that spark. And you know, if if Kyron can come in and have a Jose Alvarado type year, then I mean, what you know, these are these are things that great that, problems that can have, help, man. right? Great pro- first world problems, like I always talk to. And so I I, I think that there's a lot of of internal growth that can be made. Um, if there's a if the draft or or Devontae Graham trade, obviously those would be the outside ends coming in. But there's some there's some growth, uh, some some room for growth there internally. Right. When when you have that focus, I mean, you got to think about it. Going into the season, Thomas Zadaransky and Garrett Temple were a part of the rotation. Now you kind of know what the rotation is. Sub maybe one player, like the eighth pick. You kind of know what the rotation is. So now mm-hmm. it's like. You know what to work on. Just go execute uh, at this point moving forward. So we talked about this a lot off the pod. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting topic. Like as you watch what the tops of the league is looking like, the Memphises of the league, you know, the Suns for all they did throughout the the regular season, Um, obviously the Warriors and what they built in terms of their dynasty, the Celtics, how they built their team, things like that. You look at it, it's like, man, there's not a lot of – like bought super teams around the league anymore. Like mm-hmm. the the Lakers did it and they won their championship. Um, you know, you know, shouts out to them for that. The Heat kind of started things off and the Celtics with the old guys and stuff like that. But like in between, it's been a lot of teams that have kind of built organically and set themselves up for success because you're getting your star players early, or you're drafting your star players, or you're acquiring your star players. And then you're kind of getting guys that know their roles, that know that they're never going to be the star, that know that they're not going to, uh, you know, all the stars start averaging 30 points a game. Like guys who are like, I'm, I'm here for energy. I'm here for mm-hmm. rebounds. I'm here for open three and so on and so forth, right? So my question to you is, is the NBA like transitioning away from just buying all your players and having a roster full of, you know, guys off the bench and, you know, guys that mm-hmm. – you know, or like Carmelo just playing at Rucker Park. Like, is that is that transitioning away? Like, are teams looking more organically? And like, how did the Pelicans fit in that? Because they kind of they kind of fit into all of the categories to some degree. So, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny to see the Warriors back in the championship, right? And we were talking about this off the podcast, right? That when you think about the big three in Miami, they well go back and the big three in Boston was right. really the the start of the right. super team. Right. right. And the heat were a reaction to that. Right. They, right. they, the, I remember, you know, Dwayne Wade being my favorite player of all time. I remember Dwayne Wade losing to the Celtics and him saying, I'll never go out like this ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the time that I think they won four one and D Wade dropped 55 in the, in the, in the closeout game. Um, but it was just too much, right. It was D Wade versus Ray, uh, KG and, and Paul Pierce. And so, right. um, uh, and so it was, it was tough to win. And so he said that, right. And so you saw the big three form, right. And then the big three happens, um, and they, they go on their run. And then like, right as the big three was breaking up and falling off, you know, LeBron went back to Cleveland, um, mm-hmm. and did it. The Warriors kind of started to, you know, make some, make some moves, right. Here's some, here's some things going like here. You, you hit on Steph, you hit on Clay. Hit on Draymond, and then they started to to kind of do, and then they 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 won their championship, and it went from you know are these are the is the jump shooting team can you win a chip with that right. to this is a dynasty right, and you look at the teams in the, that they have they have you know they they have the the guys that they drafted, and obviously in between they 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 went and got 
Kevin Durant. And that's obviously an outlier, right? That's an outlier. But to see them back now, right, and you see them playing the Celtics, you see all of these guys that are drafted, right, the starting five for the the Celtics, say for Al Horford, um, Mm -hmm. four of the five are draft picks, right? Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, all draft picks. Same thing with 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 the Celtics. I mean, with the with the Warriors now. Steph, Clay, Dre, Jordan Poole, um, all of Kev- Kevon Looney, all of those guys are draft picks, right? Right. And so you look around and you, and you look at some of these teams that were built. I mean, that were bought, right? All of these talent, uh, all this talent put together, right? You look at the Nets right. and how they kind of like, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they were great, and you know, and, and Durant was, you know, in the in the playoffs. But like, these are great players. But it's like, you know, if they both go for 40, that's 80 points. Like, and you got, you know, you got like uh, Kessler Edwards and stuff, all you know, surrounding them. It's yeah. not, it's, it's difficult to win like that, right? And you look at the Lakers, same thing. One ankle turn by Anthony Davis or one, you know, diving at LeBron's ankle by Solomon Hill. And the Lakers, they didn't make the playoffs, right? They, right. You know, it, all it takes is one. But you look at, at at the Celtics and you look at the Warriors, these guys have they missed time. Steph missed time. Mm-hmm. Clay missed half the season. Draymond is, is, has missed time. Same thing with the Celtics. Tatum has been out. Jalen mm-hmm. has been out. But these guys have 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 depth that they've either drafted or got early in their in their contracts, meaning like um or in their careers, like a debt, like a uh like a, a a white off the bench for Celtics, mm-hmm. Derek White off the bench for Celtics. Well, you look at the Pelicans, and 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 this is where this is going to transition into the Pelicans. Like they they've already kind of uh, on like they are ahead of the curve a little bit because they found a way to 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 hit in the middle, right? Like mm-hmm. they've they've hit on on drafting their players, right? You, you talk about Zion, but like Brandon Ingram came at, what one or two years into his draft, um, mm-hmm. into his thing in his career. So you would consider that kind of like. Chris Middleton with the Bucks, right? He's right. a Buck. Nobody remembers him as a Piston. I didn't right. even know he only played one year. Until you told me. <laughs> yeah. I thought he played multiple years with the Pistons, but he didn't. He played one year with the with the you know with the with the Pistons, and then the rest of his career with the Bucks. So you think of him as a Buck. Same thing, Brandon Ingram with the Celtics. I mean, with the with the Lakers. You don't think of him as a Laker. You think of him as a Pelican, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you hit on the draft picks, right? Zion, Brandon Ingram, and now you've hit on uh you know Herb Jones and Trey Murphy and Jose. So you you've hit on your draft picks, but you've also acquired talent, right? CJ, mm-hmm. Larry mm-hmm. Nance, JV. So you've acquired you know guys to kind of come in and, and, and do those things as well. Well, now you have another lottery pick, another draft pick to add to that, and so. The Pelicans are are in a situation where we're you know at, at, you know you look at them going further like in a sense where Golden State lost Kevin Durant right and they lost Andre Iguodala for a little bit and they lost Sean Livingston. Well, mm-hmm. you know, just going forward, looking forward, if you if you if let's say JV doesn't you know the the contract works out and JV goes to another place, not saying he will, just saying if it happens, then you look at the team, you're like, well, we still the, the Pelicans still have a lot of players that they drafted that's still going to be here that should mm-hmm. be able to withstand something like that, and you could just plug you know replace or find another center or do whatever it is, but you still have the core of the team together. You know, knock on wood, God, you know, God willing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think that the Pelicans are in a situation where if if the league is now moving away from super teams, meaning like you just go out and pay for all your players um, and then, you know, your bench, you know, you just do what you can and hold on for dear life and <laughs> put everything on your, your superstars. If it's transitioning into the Phoenix Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, you know, play, players like uh, teams like that, the Celtics, the Warriors, where you got to have depth and, and guys that you draft and you got to hit these draft picks right. Well, the Pelicans are ahead in both in both situations. And the thing that that separates the Pelicans from what 
um, is going on, you know, with, with the Warriors or anything like that, is that the superstars for the Pelicans are sub-25, and one mm-hmm. of them is sub-22 years old, like 21 mm-hmm. years old. So, like, these guys have a lot of time to be the, you know, be this. We look at CJ. CJ's in his 30s, 30, you know, 31, 32 years old. Like, like that, that's nine, 10 years of, uh, from now for, for Zion, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at how good of a player CJ is now, and you think about what could be for Brandon Ingram in five years and, and Zion in seven to eight years. And so if the if the league has gone from, you know, buying players, and obviously you want to have the most, you know, as much talent as possible, but it's starting to show that you want to have that talent through good draft picks, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to just rely on because of salary cap and hard cap restrictions and the, the league has done things to to kind of make stars be stay where they are to, to diversify the talent um you want to hit in the draft picks now you want to get young talent you want to you want to keep the sustainability going and you want to be a, a deep right you, you you see the Celtics playing guys right. uh you know a, a whole bunch of guys and so I think that the Pelicans have found a a way you know some of it has fallen into their lap like with the Zion uh thing of the Zion draft and the you know the Pelicans getting uh the, the Brandon Ingram Lonzo Josh Hartree and, and Anthony and with Andy Davis some of it is, is falling in your luck but hey bro it just like with Golden State just like with Milwaukee sometimes yeah. you gotta be lucky right you right. got to be lucky you have to be lucky and so uh you know I, I think you know the with the with luck and and smart uh you know smart contracts and obviously this 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 pick falling in your lap I think the Pelicans have have gotten themselves a little bit ahead of the curve as far as like where the league is going and you know it'd be interesting to see how far they could take that yeah um the one person that you got to credit because he's been consistent the whole time is David Griffin. Like everything you just said was sustainable success. The phrase that everybody hates. Mm-hmm. That buzzword, huh? Is exactly <laughs> what the Pelicans have built, right? Like you alluded to it. The Pelicans have two of the top 20 players and neither one of them are in their prime mm-hmm. or or close, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Zion's only played one season. You have no idea what he could be, right? This season was we talked about it before in previous spot. It was like the 2017 Saints draft class. You hit on three players, a second-round pick, an undrafted player, and the 17th pick of the draft. Like, what are the chances you get three good role players that fit your roster perfectly? And one of them is a 10 to 15-year starter, really, honestly, in Herb. So, I mean, he, that dude, right. he's going to be starting. He's going to so, have a starting lineup for So, a, to for your point, for the teams in the finals, the playoff teams, that had the P.J. Tuckers, that had the Marcus Sparks, that had the Draymond Green, the guys that are just defensive focused. Like, you don't look for them for offense, but if they score offense, great. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans drafted that in the second round, and he's, he's 23 years old. To go along with the 22-year-old phenom and 25-year-old phenom and 24-year-old sensation off the bench, like, you have them all. They're all around the same age. I see some of Demi, uh, Demigod in, in the uh, Aaron in the comments. Chemistry is so important in sports, especially in basketball. Like having the right team and having the right guys who buy into one another is mm-hmm. so important in basketball. And like the reason the Heat worked, because they were all friends, like Chris Bosch and DUA and LeBron were friends. Like you've seen all these teams work out, and then like six months later, a certain somebody gets traded somewhere else, like th- saying that they wanted to be there the whole time. Like it has to work out from a chemistry standpoint. I think the other most important part is look at these teams that are having success. Monty Williams has great success in Phoenix. Memphis has great success as soon as they get a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Celtics get a great success as soon as they get a coach, right? Mm-hmm. The Warriors got Steve Kerr had great success. 
getting you got a rookie head coach so you literally hit on everything you could possibly hit on and you still got draft picks for the future because you didn't expect to hit all them so you're absolutely right right you look at the curve and you look at why everyone is excited about the Pelicans? It's hard to deny. You just saw what you saw without the guy who averages 27 points on 60% shooting. And now you think about all the things you could add to it and that all these people in theory should grow. Like the coach should grow. The bench should grow. The star should grow. The the uh, the bet players should grow. Like everyone should get a little bit better. The sky is the ceiling for a team like that. And with the ability to add more talent, as you say, as people fall off along the way, but still have the draft capital to be able to make adjustments all the way. Like that's a great spot to be in. Like that's mm-hmm. a phenomenal spot to be in. So, you know, the, the Pelicans are going to have all the pressure on them heading into next year. It seems as if they're doing the right things to prepare for that and to be in the best spot possible to make a deep run into the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see how things play out. We won't have to wait long because Summer Leagues is only a couple weeks away. But that is all we have for the show today. Uh, we appreciate, as always, y'all rocking with us. Next week, we'll have a special guest. Um, that's going to be the voice of the Pelicans, Todd Graffinini. As you guys know him as Graff. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be a good one. So make sure y'all show up for that. We might even have a giveaway. We'll, 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 we'll figure something out on that. But what you got left for the people, Garrett? As always, you never know what people are going through. Uh, so give somebody a smile today. Uh, yeah, the, the the Pelicans are, you know, obviously we're trudging along in this offseason. Uh, draft is going to be coming up. Uh, you know, I, I know, you know, the, the videos have been great, uh, you know, putting out <laughs> and, and seeing the guys kind of go to work. Uh, you know, we fiending for some any kind of basketball, uh, you know, in between these 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 final days. So it's tough. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have Graf on next week and it'll, it, it sure be, it'll, it'll be a blast. So uh, follow myself at Garrick underscore Rattler. Follow my brother at Raphael underscore Rattler. Follow the uh, Pels Pod Twitter page at Pels Pod and on Instagram at Pelicans Podcast. Uh, subscribe to the New Orleans Network, and we'll see you guys next week. Yes, sir. We out.